This is a podcast from 2MBS Spine Music Sydney. Hello, I'm Simon Moore. Welcome to In Conversation on 2MBS Fine Music Sydney. My guest today is a German Baroque violinist who certainly got off to an early start. Jonas Genderlein has been performing with professional ensembles since he was a teenager, around the same time as he began his own ensemble, Four Times Baroque. He's played all over Europe, Asia and the Americas, from the Concertgebouw in Amsterdam to Carnegie Hall in New York. And he'll shortly be at the City Recital Hall Angel Place to guest direct the Australian Brandenburg Orchestra for Bach's Universe until the 11th of November. For Jonas and the ABO, it's a case of third time lucky, as the concerts have twice had to be cancelled because of COVID. But I suspect those days are behind us, and I think Jonas certainly hopes that's the case too. Jonas Chenderlein, thank you so much for taking the time out to be in conversation with me today. Hello, yeah, thanks for having me. No, I don't want to jinx it, but goodness me, you did actually arrive in the country last year and did quarantine, (laughs) and then had to turn around, didn't you? Yeah, that's true, yeah, I was here before, (laughs) but it's kind of being here for the first time, because last year, well, I was in quarantine, and then we were supposed to do some concerts, but weren't allowed to. Uh, Sydney went into lockdown and just, yeah, was really bad timing last year. We did some really nice recordings, uh, video productions, which, yeah, made good memories. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just... It's so nice to be here now to play for a live audience. Yeah, so, I, I suspect yeah. you can see the place changed a bit in, in uh, 12 oh, months. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, last year was, I mean, it was interesting to be on the streets alone mm. <laughs> and just 10 kilometer radius uh, around the hotel. At least I could go to the beaches. I could do the uh, Bronte walk. What is it? Bondi Bronte walk. Yeah. Uh, so I had a little bit of nice time and weather was nice, but um, now it's totally different with... Uh, People on the streets. All these people everywhere, yes. So you're here to guest direct the orchestra for a concert which is 100% Bach, uh, who we we know, of course, is one of the all-time greats. But what is it for you uh, that makes his music so special? Well, it's a great honour to be invited to do Bach, a whole Bach programme with the Bach Ensemble in in, uh, Australia, I would say, with uh, Brandenburg. And, yeah, for me, like in Germany... We do Bach all the time. I play in a group in, in Stuttgart called Gechinger Kantorei or Bach Akademie, Bach Akademie Stuttgart. So I play really a lot of Bach um, throughout the year, mm. <laughs> especially, of course, uh, on Christmas and Easter. There's always Bach around. So it's a big part of um, of my life, actually, or I would say of, of many people in Central Europe, it's just uh, it, it's become a big part of um, of the musical culture. There's a big hype about Bach also, um, and so many ways to to interpret Bach. So it's just a, a really really great honor to be mm. here in Australia now to kind of bring you some some culture from from Germany, which is very alive. Mm, yes, because I, I suppose Germany takes a bit of ownership over Bach. I mean, Bach was German. Yeah, yeah. and the people are just still f- so fascinated. So, I mean, they are everywhere, I guess, or over the world, but um, it's just probably a bit more in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so so how do you think the genius manifests itself in the music? Actually, the, the name of the concert this time, Bach's Universe, fits it very well because mm. he kind of created his own world, his own universe and the more you dive into it the more 
it expands. It's mm. like like the real universe, you know. So there's always more to discover in his music, and you, there's no way you get to an end. Mm. So this this makes this music so special. And Bach himself, you know, he wasn't really famous at the time when he was alive. So uh, since the time he he wrote the music, it's like growing all the time, um, it, and it never stops. So. This makes it so special. Mm. Well, we'll have our first piece of music, and our first choice is not Bach, but another great uh, Baroque composer. <laughs> what have you got for us first? Because this is quite this is quite awesome. Yeah, he. Um, well, the interpreter Gilles Lapap, um is one of my great idols, role models um, from my childhood, actually, and he plays uh, the Vivaldi Concerto. La Primavera, the spring uh, from the Four Seasons, together with a uh, gypsy band. Um, so there's a lot of uh, creativity in this uh, recording. Just listen to it. There are a lot of <laughs> instruments and funny stuff inside. That is a special kind of awesome, I think. Gila Pap and the Colours of Invention. What a wonderful name for a group. The opening of their rendition of the first movement of uh, Vivaldi's Spring Concerto from the Four Seasons. The first choice of my guest in conversation today, Jonas Genderlein. He is guest directing the Australian Brandenburg Orchestra for Bach's Universe at the City Recital Hall Angel Place until the 11th of November. So what was it particularly about uh, Gila Pap that... Uh, appeal to you as a kid. I mean, that, that is fairly funky, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I got this CD, um, just my father gave me a CD by him and I didn't 
expect anything special. So I put in the CD and it was like, oh, what's this? This is not normal Vivaldi. No. <laughs> He's like... Um, whistling while playing and doing oh, so, so that's many him whistling things. i wasn't sure whether it was um, somebody else i think it's himself wow. and, and probably people from the ensemble <laughs> 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 yeah it's it's really he's a, a multitasking <laughs> talent and just i'm blown away by his creativity he's not really into early music but um, it kind of really fits into my kind of thinking because mm. for early music you also need a lot of creativity you need to be very creative when interpreting things so he's definitely in uh, a role model in that kind of thing are you able to integrate that kind of thing into any concerts you've done or? yeah i mean in an indirect way i mm. would say i'm not not whistling <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> yeah not yet <laughs> i mean especially when playing Bach you're kind of uh, fixed to what he wrote because there's no not not that kind of place for uh, for improvisation yeah but um, just the way he presents the music with a relaxed attitude and mm. just not being too stiff yes is really important not treating the music as, it, as if it's sacred as yeah, if it's something yeah. that we can we can yeah. play with because it's alive it yeah. is alive yeah. yeah it's what you were saying before about Bach his, his music is yeah. still alive that's yeah. why it's so mm-hmm. so great um so your father gave you that CD were your parents musicians yeah they are uh, music teachers my father for the flute and my mother for piano and so that's how you they got you started playing an instrument yeah I guess so <laughs> <laughs> I have three brothers and we all used to play instruments two of them are doing different things now but uh, my oldest brother is also still a musician mm. jazz musician so um yeah i so, also i sometimes i work together with him oh 50 so. strike rate though out of the kids being musicians yeah not, not so bad <laughs> so are you you fit in the middle of the of the bunch of kids um i'm the youngest ages. one you're the youngest yeah. one you're the baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you had all there's, these... there's quite a gap <laughs> the three of them are really close together and then i'm six years apart you, you learn quite early i mean from the age of five but that's that's not that unusual for, yeah, for, for kids to start learning quite, uh, quite a little like that but is that just because that was the thing that you would do you'd start to learn an instrument when you're five, yeah you yeah for me it was kind of obvious because everybody in the family played mm. an instrument and actually my brother at that time played the violin so i just said oh i want to play the violin too <laughs> so um that was the reason i guess but yeah he he then quit and i just uh, yeah went on <laughs> oh that's interesting so even though he quit you were you were keen to, to keep going so do you remember what you how it, how it made you feel well we, we didn't play together or no. something we had different teachers so um was it totally different approach and he had another instrument as well which he played so it wasn't his main instrument and yeah the violin quickly grew to something well actually (laughs) the thing is my father um he once told me or not maybe not only once he told me if you want to play the violin you need to practice every day and otherwise it doesn't make sense (laughs) okay all or nothing yeah because there are so many people who play the violin Mm. and uh just just a little bit every day so um i think that that also that sticks to my mind when did it become clear that you could make it a career then oh that's i think that there's not really a point uh where you kind of decide oh Mm. i want to do this professionally it's just you grow into it and then there are some few steps like when i was 13 i start i made an audition at the Uh, university hochschule in cologne for Mm. music 
Um, so from that age, I had really good lessons with a professor in in Cologne, and she really pushed a lot uh, my motivation. And there was a youth orchestra I played in. So these kind of things, they just they push you. Mm. It's just <laughs> one thing further. after the next. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah. no grand plan. Yeah. There's yeah. no and whiteboard with strings on. Yeah, it. and no. I think very common also is that as a, if you do a lot of music, you don't really have an idea what to, what else to do. Like I, I didn't really know besides music what what could I do. <laughs> so this is it. I'm stuck here. <laughs> yeah, kind of stuck, but also. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great, still a great thing to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, most students, of course, well, all students start on a modern standard violin and come to the Baroque violin much later, like usually in their university yes, times. But you yes. actually discovered the Baroque violin yeah, still as a teenager, didn't you? Yeah. Is um, that part of that process? Definitely. So um, on the one hand, there was my teacher who had a Baroque violin and who was also interested in early music and he gave just gave me one of his baroque violins and i could try it out at first i thought like oh what's what's this instrument it's sounding a bit rough and mm. <laughs> just the modern violin is so much easier to play but then time after time um things went by and i started this playing at this youth orchestra specializing on uh, period instruments and um, it was actually coached by Akademie für Alte Musik Berlin, who are really specialists in this kind of thing. So playing together with teenagers mm. who are also interested in Baroque music was like, yeah, really, really great motivation at that time. So I would say from, from the age of 12, 13, I did both Mm. Uh, instruments. So you had to almost treat them as, as separate instruments. You said both. Like you, it's not like yes, yeah, they it, it's they like were playing separate. a violin and a viola almost. It's yeah, different. it is definitely yeah, yeah because it's 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 just such a different setup with the gut strings and the bow. It's totally different bow and totally different techniques because um, on a baroque violin you have to hold the violin with your left hand and uh, so the shifting is is much more difficult. On a modern violin, you you kind of um, you have it under your chin. Yeah, your chin is holding it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, Whereas you're just resting it. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And, and I don't the, think of it like that. Yeah, yeah. And and the bow also gives you much more um, kind of obvious possibilities to speak on the violin with a on on the baroque violin. Whereas the modern bow, it's much more. It's made so you can. Yeah, make the most even sound possible. Mm. So the the downstroke and yeah. upstroke they are, they should sound the same on a modern violin, but on the baroque violin they should not, oh. because there is a reason that the down bow is stronger than the up bow. So these things, um, yeah, they 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 got more interesting over time. So my interest it also grew. You in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, some more music now. And, uh, well, this one is uh, from a different soundscape, if I can put it that way. Uh, and it's from the from Japan. Tell me about what we're going to hear because it's quite fascinating. Yeah, it's a composer I really like, uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto. So there was a time in my teenage years where I really got interested in in this kind of music. Um, and also I did karate. Karate? A, yeah, as a teenager. So uh, my interest for Japan uh was there definitely I, it grew at that time and so i listened a lot to to his works and yeah as i 
told before, my brother is a jazz musician and also does some funky stuff. So this kind of music also was was always there in, in, in my in my mind. So um, I really like to listen to these kind of things while traveling or, or relaxing and not thinking about baroque music. sound of Yuichi Sakamoto and Thousand Knives, the choice of my guest in conversation today, violinist Jonas Genderlein. He's guest directing the Australian Brandenburg Orchestra for Bach's Universe on at the City Recital Hall until the 11th of November. Well, Jonas, that is quite a contrast in musical styles compared to your first selection and and not what we'll expect to hear from Bach's Universe. (laughs) Um, But you have, I mean, as you said, you have dabbled in this sort of electronic music with your brother. So can you tell me a bit more about that collaboration? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, It's actually quite new we started this at the beginning of covid so there was kind of a gap but uh, this year we got invited by there's a center for telemann research in germany and uh, we did kind of a normal concert there and then we also presented um, like a crossover concert together with my brother who's a jazz musician and my baroque group so yeah it's a collaboration between a baroque group and improvisating jazz and electronic music Mm. so we're bringing these two worlds together and it's becoming something very new and interesting and yeah it's been a lot of fun this project so we definitely want to continue this so is this the project telemann electricity yeah so that's not released yet is it 
Um, we did some concerts in March All with right, this, but, but we can't find a recording online. Yeah, it's not yet online. Okay. Yeah, we're still working on okay. on some. Well, I think it's definitely going to be something to listen out for. Oh <laughs> like yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. So one of the choices for today that fell on the cutting room floor was actually from a um, a Japanese rock band <laughs> from around what 1980 or something, which is I dare say. Well, I know, is long before you were born. Uh, so you have this fascination with ja- Japanese music as well. Yeah, yeah. I although, mean, although not Japanese pure. I mean, the Japanese we're talking about is, is in the Western style. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, so why the fascination with Japan and karate? So, yeah, well, I met a Japanese woman some years ago. <laughs> That'll we, do it. Yeah, we eventually also married. So um, I've been to Japan a lot and kind of dived into this culture and it's just so rich. So it's kind of, um, yeah, just just a way for me to to get out of the work mode, to mm. just relax a bit um, and listen to. I really like the, the 80s and 90s, the music of the 80s and 90s. And if it's Japanese, it's kind of even more special. Yeah. <laughs> So you weren't tempted to take your music career much more in that sort of direction rather than the Baroque and classical direction? Mm, no, I'm not really. No, I, I think I want to, to, to keep that, these kind of things uh, like as a hobby or for my free time. So um, it's, I think it's good to, to kind of uh, know what's, what's your work and what's your free time so you can kind of um, yeah, separate these things. Yeah. Going back to that choice from Yuichi Sakamoto, there is something different about the Japanese electronic music compared to sort of North American and European, isn't there? Can you can you put your finger on it? Um, yeah, well, this guy, Sakamoto, he was very much influenced by minimal music from America. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he kind of, it's like with everything in Japan. They, they take the things from Western countries and create something new. It's kind of Japanized Western things so um yeah i just really like what they what they create out out of the ideas yeah made by the the minimal composers in this case but it's it's just so many styles inside this music Mm. it's it's kind of difficult to say where it belongs yeah that's the thing you can't you can't pigeonhole these things yeah and also he he did a lot of um film music as well sakamoto you talked about uh, being part of the um, Bach's Erben, I think, which is the Academy for Alter Music Berlin kind of youth group. Is, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. It's it's um, Bach's Erben was started by um, an institution in East Germany, which uh, has nothing to do with uh, Academy for Alter Music Berlin, but they invited these people and also other coaches from other groups. So, yeah, you, you really had a lot of teachers there and was was a great thing. It was just, uh, I mean, I was 12, 13 years old when I started and went, mm. obviously went to school. Yeah. <laughs> and was I, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a city in really in the western part of Germany, so it was a long way to go there. I was about to say, so you were in Koblenz, was it? Yes, yeah. So you were travelling to the eastern Germany? Yeah, actually, most of the times I think... My father drove me there because the train connection was just so bad. <laughs> um, well, it's just so fortunate that there's no speed limits on the German autobahns. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. you can get you there and back pretty fast. So, so would you Good go for one. like? Would you go for there for like days or just like a, a day? Oh yeah, it was always like oh, like a camp. ten days or ah, something or right. two weeks. Okay. I mean, mostly like in camp. in the in the summer vacation. Uh huh. But sometimes even during school time. So. 
Well, that was actually quite nice. I dare say. <laughs> to, to miss some, some school lessons and instead play some music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me a bit more about the, those sort of uh, intense, you'd get tuition, was it so like all day playing or? Yeah, so we had obviously, um, there was a concert at the end of the camp, the project. Mm. Um, and we, uh, throughout the day, we, we rehearsed from yeah, morning to afternoon. Mm. But then um, in the evening, if if you wanted to, you could do chamber music. And the members of Akademie für Automusik Berlin, they even uh, coached us in the evening too. So wow. they had like from morning till Sleeping. midnight. Yeah, yeah really. Um, because we we all wanted to, to know more about that music. So um, we played this kind of orchestra music in the afternoon and morning. And then in the evening, everybody found together with uh, new groups and smaller groups with friends. And that's actually also where I met my uh, friends from Four Times Baroque. And mm. um, we started this group. You started Four Times Baroque as yeah. a result of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah kind I of. mean, that's kind of de rigueur for young musicians, isn't it? You have to form your own little chamber groups. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean... Do you still play together? <laughs> no, that's the thing. We don't play together anymore. Oh, that's a uh, shame. Yeah, it kind of exploded two years ago. <laughs> oh, only two years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was was a good group, and we had a lot of gigs together. But um, yeah, there were several reasons why it didn't work anymore. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, another piece of music now, and this is I'm very glad to say from one of your own recordings. What have you got for us? Yeah, it's a recording I did together with a harpsichord player, but this one is solo violin from Bach's Partita number no. 2. It's the Giga or Gig in D minor. Thank you. 
jig from J.S. Bach's Partita Number no. 2. The violinist we heard was my guest in conversation right now, the German Baroque violinist Jonas Genderlein. He's directing the Australian Brandenburg Orchestra at the City Recital Hall Angel Place. Get along to brandenburg.com.au for more info and for tickets. So that's your debut album. Can I express it like that? Oh, yeah, that? that's true, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's already like five years old, I think. Five years old, yeah. time for another one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Was the process of recording an album versus preparing for a live concert a shock? Um, not really a shock. I've done other recordings before with other groups, um, but definitely... But this is the big solo. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely different and also... Um, well, I was very lucky to have uh, kind of a free approach to this. I wasn't stuck into any labels. So, um, well, now it's um, sold by Sony Music. But at the time we did the recording, we didn't have any labels. So mm. I just said, oh, why not do a recording? And I asked my brother, <laughs> who's also a sound engineer, um, can you record me? And he said, yeah, of course. <laughs> so we just, yeah, it was kind of... Um, relaxed situation this recording which I think was perfect at that time so oh, there was no stress to like oh we need to do this and we just have this amount of time well there was a fixed amount of time but um, yeah in, in the end it was uh, we had a lot of possibilities and also what was very interesting for me was after we did the recording the process it just mm. took so long. I mean, we recorded the music in 2016, which is already six years in the past. Um, but the recording came out in 2018. So um, mm. it took me a long time because we did everything on ourselves. Like my brother did the recording and then the cutting we did together, um, or mostly actually myself and the harpsichord player. So um, this is probably quite different from other recordings where there's a sound engineer doing everything. Um, yes, because you've got to go off and do rehearsals and concerts and <laughs> you can't also then be editing your own album. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not much time I, I think for I, I couldn't do it anymore now because, mm. yeah, there's just no time for it. But at that time, um, I kind of, I really wanted to do everything about that recording. Mm. So um, that process was really long but very interesting for me. Mm. And the result is also... I think the, the sound of the recording is quite different from normal, especially early music recordings, because my brother comes from a popular music background, so he didn't do a lot of classical recordings until that time. And he, we kind of wanted to combine these two again. So my microphone's very close and then a lot of editing. So it's a very produced sound Yeah, it's, it's compared to other classical recordings. Yeah, probably more. Um, mm. Well, I don't know. Maybe I think everybody's <laughs> is doing a lot after work. After that the is true. I didn't want to say and that you weren't. The yeah. thing about recordings, I guess, is that anyway, it's a recording and it's not a live concert. So um, you don't get the result you will have in a live concert. So I just I I wanted to put as much energy in the in the producing as we do in performing the music because it's it's like taking a picture the 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 photoshop is so important <laughs> to the mm. picture so it's yeah kind of the same approach mm, interesting so can you tell me about the instrument that you play and oh, how, yeah. how did you find it how did you choose it um yeah it's it's kind of a <laughs> a strange instrument actually because it's anonymous um so i've been to many luthiers with the instrument um and 
nobody could say any name for uh, a builder. It's an, it's an old violin, so um, probably made mid-18th century and probably also uh, kind of pasticcio. So it's at least three violins together. Some, some, Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know who, but there, there must be three violin makers who... <laughs> Who uh, who who made this violin? So, the, so it's not the, even like it's three sections from the same maker. No, 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 no. Oh well, maybe there is. I don't oh. know because it's an old violin and it's just it's a very strange. Uh, somebody found these parts like the the bottom is different from the top, and the scroll is is again different. Um, but yeah, they're they're very nice parts, and somehow they fit together, and mm. it sounds very nice. <laughs> so, um, the, well, maybe one thing to say is the the bottom of the violin was probably made in Bologna, in North Italy, and um, in the mid of 18th century, and uh, the the top of the violin was made in South Tyrol, in about the same time, and the. The size of the violin, they are South German. and um, Wow. So that's at least 50 or 100 years um, difference in yes, the, in yeah. the, between the different parts and about three different completely different yes. areas. So, yeah, that's one thing about the violin. But then, you know, when you play Baroque music, what's very, very important is the setup of the violin because you kind of you try to replicate what was common 300 years ago, ah, which yeah. is, of course, very different to the... Um, modern violins or we play in symphony orchestras it's not only the strings who are different because there's there were so many models of bridges like mm. um yeah they they changed all the time and uh bridges and for example the, the fingerboard how how long it is how how thick the the neck is yeah. yeah and all these kind of things they they can be so different and you can do so many things so mm. Just in the last few years, I changed so much about my violin. And um, for example, I I used to play with a wounded G string because the G string, the low, the lowest string on the violin, well, it needs kind of some power. And just recently, I tried to play on a on a plain guts G string, and it started to work very well because of another bridge I use and just these things they they need to work together and you need also a good bow or yeah actually you need different bows uh, mm. to play different music so really yeah there's a lot of things to discover and do research on um, with with this kind of stuff so um, yeah so different kinds of music meaning different composers or 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 like just even if it's a concerto versus a uh, a, a solo work everything um if it's a composer who lived in 17th century italy um it's definitely a different bow than for bach for example and maybe i would also choose another bow if i play in a tutti orchestra than mm. solo um because yeah you just need a different kind of sound interesting so how much time do you have to spend researching all this because I assume people are still learning things all the time. Yes, um, and yeah, it very much depends on who you meet. Uh, like I was just very lucky to meet a luthier who who knows a lot about these things and who helped me a lot with these things, um, and also colleagues who. I mean, you're always in exchange with colleagues, so it's not only playing the music and then that's it. But 
if you go to eat after the concert, you 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 definitely talk about these things. What strings are you using? What what kind of bows mm. are you using? It's always these kind of conversations between musicians. So. Yeah, it's it's just all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Thinking about it. Well, another piece of music now, and uh, back to the Baroque again with uh, well, a composer I wasn't familiar with. Can you tell us about what we're about to hear? Yes, we're going to hear Johann Paul von Westhoff, who was German-Austrian composer, a bit older than Bach, and he was a violinist actually, and probably at that time one of the most famous violinists. He was very virtuosic and he composed some really really difficult pieces for violin <laughs> and um, yeah this recording is very special to me because I got it from my aunt <laughs> when I was like 12 or 13 years old and I listened to it a lot because I was just so fascinated what you can do um, on a baroque violin and um, yeah I just I love the recording. Plaisir du Panas under violinist David Plantier for part of the second of Westhoff's sonatas for violin and continue that one in A minor. The choice of my guest in conversation today, violinist Jonas Genderlein. Jonas, time to ask that other question. What do you like to do when you're not playing the violin? <laughs> yeah, there's a very big hobby I have, which is cycling. Cycling? <laughs> yeah, I go... <laughs> In my free time, I, I always go cycling, <laughs> like really a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the mountains. I love the nature. Um, it's just, it's freeing my mind. It's a chance to zone out and yeah, clear the definitely, space. Yeah. So you, you like the mountain cycling rather than the road cycling, do you? Or just um, Well, it's it's kind of in between. I, I like gravel cycling. So it's, um, that's, yeah, kind of, it's shaped like a road bike but has thicker tires and um so you can go on on gravel roads yeah. um in in the forest we have a lot of these kind of roads in germany yeah. have you had a chance to cycle in australia or not enough time um yeah a little bit but until now we've been in melbourne and the <laughs> weather wasn't really that good well, i think there's more bad weather coming here <laughs> but maybe yeah we, we do a trip here now on a free day yeah, I, so. yeah. I suspect our mountains aren't are quite up to the difficulty level as, as you might be used to in Europe, though. I don't know. I've, I've never <laughs> been to the mountains here, so let's see. Let's see. <laughs> so what have you got coming up after, after your Australian tour? Because you are sort of uh, going everywhere, aren't you? Yeah, well, after this, um, you know, it's winter in, in, in Europe and Christmas is coming up. Well, Christmas is coming up here as well. But yes, it's just, everywhere, yes. it's, it's just weird, but it's summer. <laughs> Um, and Christmas is really the time where you play most uh, most concerts. Um, it's just so much to play. I, one of the next projects I do is with Concerto Köln, um, which is an early music group in Germany, and some solo concerts. Actually, um, directly after Australia, I go with my wife to Japan 
where she comes from. And we have two concerts there and then we go back to Germany and uh, yeah, we have a lot of concerts there. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, it's been great to have you here today, but before you go, I you do have one more piece to introduce. What's this last one? This is, yeah, it's mainly the orchestra I would like to introduce because uh -huh. um, the orchestra of the 18th century, uh, led by Franz Bruggen, um, a Dutch conductor, um, is also shaped my kind of aesthetics a lot because I really, really love the, the way they play and the, the sound of this orchestra. Mm. Um, they they only do live recordings so in the recordings you can always feel the energy of the concert and um, I've chosen Mendelssohn Overture to a Midsummer Night's Dream yeah it's just a wonderful piece and um, actually it's soon going to be summer here so <laughs> yes it, it, it's, it's, it's very timely but that's interesting because it's the orchestra of the 18th century and yet this is a 19th century oh yeah where, true yeah know. they do a lot of romantic uh, stuff as well and and yeah it's but it's but they're playing on like 18th century instruments are they yeah they started with uh, music of the 18th century and uh, then kind of went on and on and they yeah they one of the few orchestras which really mastered this kind of music Mendelssohn and Beethoven uh, on period instruments mm. well Jonas Genderline thank you so much for coming in today well thank you for having me violinist Jonas Genderline he's visiting Australia to guest direct the Australian Brandenburg Orchestra for Bach's Universe it's on at the City Recital Hall Angel Place from tonight, the 2nd of November, through to Friday the 11th. Get along to brandenburg.com.au for more information and for tickets. Follow everything else Jonas is doing on his website, jonasviolin.com, and you can also follow him on Instagram, at barockbike. Now, that's what I call an Instagram handle. That's all for In Conversation for today. Listen to the show whenever you like via your favourite podcast app. Just search 2MBS In Conversation and you can also find previous episodes at 2mbsfinemusicsydney.com slash inconversation. I'm Simon Moore on 2MBS Fine Music Sydney. <laughs> <laughs>